Welcome to episode four in the series Writing Fiction. My name is Angela Wallace-Moore. I'm a novelist and poet, and in this podcast I'd like to share with you some insights about voice and finish with a few useful writing tips about the editing process. Voice and style are often confused in the writer's mind, and there is overlap, but Whereas style relates to the technical aspects of writing and the requirements of the topic, for example, is it a scholarly essay or a children's storybook, voice is the way in which your own world view and way of expressing yourself come through. And this is the focus of what I would like to discuss today. We can often identify a well-known writer's work by reading a few paragraphs, simply because their voice is so distinctive. I think of Hemingway or Jane Austen, James Joyce, here style and voice do overlap, Stephen King or even P.G. Woodhouse. Finding your own voice is an organic process which will evolve over time. You'll find you favour certain phrases and sentence structures and develop a sense of the music of your writing. This will flow into the tone of your writing, which conveys the mood you're seeking to project at any given time. Do you wish a section to sound formal or didactic or perhaps intimate and confiding? The way in which you handle this will relate to your voice, regardless of the mood. Voice is what makes your writing identifiably your own. Many new writers encounter problems in this area. Most of us will have read work by budding writers whose true voice is yet to emerge. The writing is uneven, the sentences run on and on, or there are self-conscious attempts to sound clever and insightful. Overuse of cliché and description are common pitfalls as the writer attempts to pour out their vision on the page. Only with practice and good editing will the true voice emerge, stripped of the pretensions of ego with its desire to impress or the paralysing fear of failure. As one of my university tutors would say when giving out essay topics, remember, you're not writing for posterity. It was good advice because so many academics felt the need to pontificate as though addressing crowds through the ages. Sadly, not everyone listens. Many of us have had the misfortune to read totally impenetrable prose with the power to inflict a headache on the reader after the first few paragraphs. We need to get out of our own way. Take your writing seriously, but not yourself. Write from the heart, tempered with the mind. Get the ideas onto paper, and then the real work begins. I can't overestimate the importance of editing. Your own efforts, those of a professional editor if you can afford one, and the input of your beta readers. If you haven't heard the term before, a beta reader is someone whose literary opinion you respect and to whom you give your manuscript in the hope that they'll read and offer useful suggestions. They'll often be the ones who pick up on inconsistencies and errors. 
I've sometimes wished that Somerset Maugham had a better beta reader or editor for one of his short stories, in which the hero had brown eyes on the first page, only to have them turn unaccountably a piercing blue by the next chapter. My own beta readers are all I could ask, and I value them greatly. But long before you send your manuscript out into the world, you need to read and reread it until you almost know it by heart. Certainly the plot should be firmly established in your mind, so that you'll immediately become aware of inconsistencies as you plough through your chapters. This is where you check the story's timeline once again. You check the ages of the characters, their locations, the climate, all the aspects I discussed in the second episode. Then comes the really boring part, spell check and grammar check. This will drive you crazy, because it isn't always accurate. Sometimes it wants you to insert a question mark where none belongs. It will take issue over the passive voice. Granted, we shouldn't overuse the passive voice, but there are times in which it conveys a certain atmosphere, so don't let the system bully you. I use it in a paragraph describing the character Judge Ashford in Children of the Gods because it suggests the mannered language of the legal world, a leisured elegance matching the man himself. Judge, despite his nickname, had yet to be called to the bench. However, his position as senior counsel provided cause for optimism. His distinguished appearance, patrician features and prematurely grey hair had earned him the nickname in law school. In chambers, his elevation was touted as just a matter of time. Gramacek hated this. But Gramacek knows nothing of style and voice and tone. Use it wisely. There's also a useful app called Grammarly. I find it helpful when, as is occasionally the case, I become rather confused about commas. I like good punctuation, but the rules are so complex that we sometimes need help. As Oscar Wilde once said after a particularly unprofitable day of writing, this morning I took out a comma, and this afternoon I put it back in. Once you've dealt with these aspects, if you're self-publishing, you need to concentrate on layout. Hopefully you'll have already worked out such factors as book size and font, but if you haven't and you need help, please contact me because my other hat is book designer at Wrighton Press. But for now, let's concentrate on annoying things like spacing. Do a search and replace for double spaces because publishing prefers single spaces after full stops. Then do search and replace for inadvertent double full stops and commas. Don't make it global, though, because it will also remove ellipses. Check for missing capital letters and missing full stops, and generally ensure the manuscript looks professional. Make sure your page numbers are correct. Don't number your front and back matter, or if you do, Use a different numbering system. Throughout this series, even though I've only dealt quite superficially with the subjects at hand, nonetheless I've given you a vast amount of information to integrate into your writing process. It can seem daunting, and it is, 
But nobody expects you to bear all of these aspects in mind when you're creating your stories. They'll be there in the back of your mind. When it comes to the editing process, you can revisit them to enhance the quality of your work. Over time, you'll know when to cut and when to expand, when to listen to advice and when to stick to your guns. People will insist you murder your darlings, an amusing term which relates to culling what we often think are our finest passages, but which all too frequently sound pretentious. You'll feel the wild joy of expressing exactly what you wanted to say and the despair of ever articulating your vision. You'll suffer boredom and excitement, white page paralysis and frenzied activity, but your dreams will drive you onward. I can think of no better way of concluding this series on writing fiction than by letting Terry Pratchett have the last word. In all seriousness, people think that it's the ideas that are important. Well, everyone has ideas all the time. I tend to write mine down and remember them. But at some point, you have to apply the bum to the seat and knock out about 65,000 words. That's how long a novel is. Good luck with your writing, and thank you for listening.